What's going on guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of You Starter Kits and today I'm just, I, I'm waiting for the, the team to show up. It's about, I got here a little bit earlier today because uh, I had to watch a webinar for grad school because I've recently been accepted to grad school to do management technology here at the great NYU. And I kind of wanted to clarify a couple of things up from the last episode. If you guys heard it, it was called Don't Quit Your Job. And the reason um, I wanted to do this because I, I listened to the podcast while editing it, but when you're editing it, it's very cut cut up and choppy so you can't really catch exactly everything and all the details but i was able to listen to it last night i just want to really clarify this while we didn't want to ever attack the e-lab or any of the labs or any of the incubator spaces it was just that we personally didn't have a great experience trying to get into them maybe because the person we talked to was the wrong person that didn't understand it. We talked to another person who loved the idea, who literally called it genius and loved the idea. So maybe moving forward, we could probably work, work with that person. But I'm just saying our experience that we had originally before was very off-putting for us and kind of put a bad taste in our mouths. We got nothing against them because if you know me and any of my team, we have no malice towards anyone. But I just wanted to really clarify that and get that point across because there are companies that come out of there that do great work and there's companies that come out of there that don't do anything. Just like every other incubator, you got failures and you get wins and your failures sometimes account more than your wins. But that's just something that doesn't really, it's not really in your control and it's a litmus test and how you learn and move forward. And that place seems to be fairly new along with other incubators as well. But we don't want to, we can't blame anyone for anything because honestly, we didn't ask them for anything specific. We just wanted help. And maybe at the time they were busy, maybe at the time it wasn't a feasible thing for them, maybe they had a better offer on the table as they should because they are all investors in there and they all individually invest in these companies. So they want to keep keep the, those good ideas going and they should because who wouldn't, right? Sometimes you got to look out for yourself. But me personally, I don't operate under that spec and belief. And what I really wanted to talk to today, and this is kind of... um. You might get two episodes this week. I don't know. I want to record another one today with uh, our boy Steven and maybe get mid on that episode too. If you guys heard the uh, only episode of Overcaffeinated Underdressed that got dropped on SoundCloud, I pulled it, but I'm going to probably upload it here again one week when we have an off week where we can't really record. There's an examination or something going on. I wanted to put that up, but I really wanted to talk to you guys today about where you start came from, what you start is, and kind of hone in on where we are right now. I want to talk about that more with Steven, where we are now in this episode. I know the first two episodes, we didn't really talk too much about what we're doing with Ustart and what exactly is, and that's what I want to talk to you guys here about in this episode to kind of get the idea across of what the vision behind it is and what we want to build is. And again, I don't care if this gets one view, a hundred views, or a thousand views. This is my personal. Have you ever guys ever seen those uh, lab technicians or those scientists in the lab where they kind of turn on the little um, hand voice recorder? Uh, got that old cassette player, the old Walkman. Some of them used to record uh, audio. Uh, speaking from personal experience, those are pretty cool to use. Um, yes, this is that for me, but we're putting it out to the world so you can listen to it. So if you see I'm failing, you can tell me. Or when this thing fails, if this thing fails, not when, if, because nothing is guaranteed. Um, I want this to be out there in the ether so you guys can reach into it and understand it and learn from my mistakes or my successes, my failures and my wins. Because 
there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about on this in this podcast series. There's a lot of great episodes I want to produce for you guys and beautiful ideas that I have that I want to share with you. Not It's very egocentric to say beautiful ideas that I have. It's beautiful ideas that have come to me because the thing behind an idea is, and we'll jump into you starting what it is, um, is you think you think of an idea, but it's really a subconscious neural transfer from what I've been able to account from it. And that's the beauty behind you start is that's what it was. And we'll get into that in a second. But that's what you start. Really, it, that's what ideas really are, just subneural uh, underlyings of things that have come to you that have run through your mind that you've scaled at one point or another and you've forgotten and it comes back to you. And sometimes maybe you can grow that idea. And I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired and exhausted and I shouldn't be, but I got to catch more sleep. But that's just me personally. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about myself because you probably have no idea anything about me besides the voice you hear in your ears if you're listening right now. Well, if you if you can hear my voice, you're probably listening, right? Um, I am a, now I'm a graduate student at NYU Tangent. I started as an undergraduate student here at NYU Tandon, before formerly known as Polytechnic Institute of NYU, no, formerly known as NYU Poly, and now known as, uh, then it became Polytechnic Institute of NYU, and then became NYU Tandon. Um, so we, uh, it's been quite a journey, so we are the hybrid students here that first started off in the curriculum change that happened. Uh, hurt a lot of kids, but it benefited me a lot because it allowed me to explore as an, if there's a curriculum change for all the curriculums, but for computer engineering, it was a little bit more drastic. It used to be very cut and dry. You take this, 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 until you graduated, literally. You had to take exactly what they told you. Even your design a project or your capstone, some some people call it. Um, so for me, when the curriculum changed, it was like you have free range. You can take eight electives of these restricted electives being CS and E. You have to take two of each, and then the rest are up to you. You can go ham. And I love that because I was able to explore electrical engineering up until I decided that I want to explore computer engineering. So it was like... If that was the case, I would have been forced to switch to a different major, but it would have taken away from the essence of what computer engineering is. It's the hybrid of these two beautiful majors that you learn so much from, and I have so much respect for both majors. All the engineering majors are great, in my opinion, but I just, I love, I have a really, uh, really strong love for mechanical engineering, uh, believe it or not, because I'm big into the physics behind things, and because it's taking things together and making sure it works um, from a mechanical standpoint. But I was, it was really enjoyable to learn from amazing professors of electrical engineering, such as Professor Campisi, Michael Campisi. Very great professor. Professor Knox, one of the most brilliant professors I've ever met. And one of the professors that was able to make teaching such a beautiful experience. And, like, you won't believe... Uh, well, the course that I took with him was, um, was Electronics 1, which is known to be an annoying course for a lot of students because it is very hard to teach. And I heard horror stories because of other students being taught it by a different professor and just it being like extremely difficult for them to understand and grasp. But I enjoyed it so much and I found it so much fun to do and I learned so much from this professor and from such a hard subject that is traditionally known as a hard subject, it was able to dissect and he was able to teach so well. And I really appreciate that. You learn a lot from these professors beyond the classroom, as in you learn mannerisms, you learn how to do things, you learn how to approach things. Because one thing that I really hate is when a professor walks into a room and says, today we're going to be doing the hardest part of the course. Well, right right off the bat, you've psychologically implemented a barrier onto the student where he slash she will never walk into there thinking, I can conquer this. You put a wall up in front of that student, which he, has to, he or she or they have to conquer 
And that scares a lot of students and it puts it's, it puts them in a real bad position. And that's happened to me before. The, I walk in and the professor's like, we're doing the hardest thing today, guys. And this is going to be the most difficult part of the course. And then like it really ends up being like something very simple sometimes. And that's could be reverse psychology, but I guess it works differently for other people. Maybe that professor, when when he, sla- he when he, they heard that uh, being told to them, they decided that they would put in 10 times the mo- amount of work to conquer it. I guess everyone has their different strategies, but... Uh, bottom line, the CS department is very great here. I started off here a little bit shaky. One of the professors was not so hot. Then you go to Professor John Sterling, which is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant programmer, brilliant professor. You don't learn. F- you don't. He doesn't teach you. You learn from him. And what I mean by that is that like there's a, like one big thing for me now is a, a saying that I love is don't hear what I'm saying, listen to what I'm saying. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, teach. You learn from his teachings. You literally grasp it. You become a beautiful programmer. His ethics behind his, I'm sorry, not his ethics, his, um, uh, the way he does his um, programming, the, the rules he teaches you. And honestly, I swear to God, to this day in the professional workplace, I still use a lot of those things. Camel case, you go for it. When he tells you to uh, separate lines, comment all your code because one day you'll leave and someone else has to come and look at it. And you will not believe how many programs I've had to look at and repair that did not have comments that put me in such a disadvantage. So comment on your code because... If you don't, you're going to screw the next guy over. So there's so many great things. And then, then uh, Professor Linda Selly, brilliant professor. Like I walked out of C++ terrified walking into data structures because of how much of a rigorous course that can be. And Professor Selly was great for that and for algorithms. I took algorithms with her, which is traditionally known as NYU as one of the hardest CS courses. But she made it really great, and I loved it. And I learned so much from it. Because if you don't make the course hard, as in I don't mean hard like – Giving easy test questions. Her, te- her tests were hard. They were they they played with your brain. Those tests were difficult. I'm not gonna lie. I enjoy taking them because that's who I, that's the kind of person I is. I enjoy these mind mentors, but I still hate them at the same time. But she just taught it really well. Came from an approach of being honest with her students and just not trying to lay you out and flatten you out. From what I've heard from other professors that teach this course do. She just wanted to. She just wanted you guys to learn. That's what I really enjoyed about that. And of course, we cannot talk about the CS department without talking about our favorite member of the CS department, Mr. Fred Strauss. Professor Fred Strauss was my design project professor here at NYU Tandon, and he was the kind of uh, one of the. He was the very first person. Yeah, he was the very first person I told about Ustart because I didn't even tell my parents about Ustart because Ustart came to me at night and they were all asleep when they came to me. So Professor Fred Strauss has been a mentor, uh, a professor father figure for me personally, for the team. I know he, Stephen loves Professor Strauss. The students who haven't taken him that are the CS students here that are part of our team love him already because of what he's done for us and how much he's helped us and how kind he's been to us. Me personally, he's been amazing to me. He's one of the best people in this department. And do you know how you can earn the respect of any professor, anyone, even if they hate you, right? Like, I mean, this isn't, this is completely bar- different from the conversation. Just work and show them you care. Because one thing that Professor Strauss would talk about a lot is how a lot of design projects would walk in. BS something, stick it together, and then just put it out there just to graduate and get out of there and throw the idea away. But when we came to him with Ustart, he respected that. He loved that. He knew that we were going to grow this. And he, 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 he knew that this was going to be a huge idea. So let's kind of jump into this a segue. So Professor Strauss was a beautiful segue into this. I was originally going to do um, two things. I was originally going to do a design project 
which was going to be a collective comics was the name of it. It was this um, database website engine for comic book stores because I love my comic shop. And shout out to Magnum Comics, which unfortunately closed recently to go full online. Yeah, you thought you thought they closed down permanently. No, they went full online to honestly, uh, um, I just wanted to create something that would be able to help them because one issue that they had was pull lists were really annoying. A lot of people would put in for pull lists. Pull lists are, if you don't know what comics is, you give a list to your comic book comic shop and they hold these comics for you as they come in weekly so you don't have to go in every single day you don't have to be there early in the morning he puts them away from you let's say this week spider-man 444 is coming out he's going to put that away for you if it's on your pull list and this guy looks out for you he's your friend whatever right and but unfortunately what happened a lot is people would give a pull list in with like a hundred hundred hundreds of dollars of comic books but they would not show up to pick them up and that hurts a comic shop because these comics, at the time they come out, some of them are very hot and you can sell them for more than cover value. Well, you can't at a comic shop because that's illegal. But, like, these comics are worth more than cover value. So, like, a lot of people, they want to sell these comics, right? Because, like, but like, let's say you have five comics on a pull list in the drawer and Jack, Joe, Jane, and Jill want to come and pick these books up. But you're sold out, quote, unquote, because you can't sell those five because they're on a pull list. Five months later, the book drops down to a dollar on eBay. They're going to buy it on eBay versus the five you just put back on yourself that are going at cover price, right? So it hurts the comic shop. So I wanted to create something that would um, make this an online version of a pull list, kind of like a shopping cart that you would pay before you would um, give in your pull list. Now, could comic shops do this on the spot? Definitely you can, but it is a little bit awkward because these are your customers, some of them that have been coming to you for years, some of them are brand new, some people charge fees for pull lists, I know Spider's Web, I believe, charges a fee for a pull list, or they do like, you have to have six series, I'm not too sure, I haven't really messed around with uh, Spider's Web yet, um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of mitigate that problem and that issue, um, because it was costing them a lot of money, and I'm sure it was costing a lot of other comic shops around New York, at least, and the world, a lot of money, well, the world is a little bit drastic, but you know what I mean. So I wanted to create that, and that was cool. Uh, Professor Strauss was cool with it. Yeah, he's like, sure, it's going to help a lot of people. He liked the idea, but he wasn't very enthusiastic about it because being it's not it's not it's great that it helps a lot of people. So he did respect that and he loved that. Parallel to that, I was going to create this uh, smoke alarm, and I can't talk about the smoke alarm now because there's another team that is developing this smoke alarm for the design project. We developed it last semester. Not my, not through me. I did not suggest it to them. I don't want to take any credit for what they did. I have no idea exactly what they did. They went beyond what I was thinking of doing, which is beautiful, and I, rec I commend them for doing that. But I wanted to create this smoke alarm, which required me to have a lot of electrical engineers. Well, not a lot. Like, at least a pair of electrical engineers to help me design this. Unfortunately, for my circumstances, being a senior, all your electrical engineering friends are already on a design project um, from the semester before because I was a semester late um, and a lot of electrical engineers are able to start their design project probably a semester earlier. Maybe they were actually on time. So they were already started by the time I had the idea for this, which was about three weeks into the semester. So I was running late. I was running rampant to find these students to be able to help me build this. And it wasn't a design project, so they had, there was no incentive, right? It's very hard to get people to help you without an incentive, which is why I'm grateful for my team. Guys, uh, try the blonde espresso from uh, Starbucks. I just grabbed it because I got the ad on the email. It was like three bucks. I was like, All right, why not? Really good. Really good. Low on calories too, I think. Um, okay, let's get back to the point. Sorry, I just took a sip. So you might hear there'll be a little bit of an edit. But that was really good. I respect. Thank you, Starbucks. So I was running rampant trying to find electrical engineers to help me build this thing. I was asking all my friends. My friends were asking, asking friends because I'm very grateful that I know a lot of people that – 
it, that know a lot of people that are smart and brilliant and those people that I know are actually themselves very brilliant, but they were all taken up. So one night I was just sitting on my couch and I was like, this is freaking ridiculous, man, uh, how annoying it is to find people. Because when your senior design project, you're kind of pushed into a team within your classmates. And I got really lucky, man. I'll tell you a little bit of a story. I don't know if Young G will ever want to be on the podcast or anything, but we weren't even – Young G was one of the last people without a team in our class, and we only had three people. It was me, John, uh, uh, another guy, and uh, and uh, young, and we needed one more person. Young G was out there, and it was like, can I join your team? I was like, yeah, sure, man. At first, I was like, maybe let's see what happens because we were looking for someone who had – we were looking for someone who had a web dev experience, and at the time, Young G didn't have much web dev experience, but turned out to be a brilliant, fucking brilliant programmer. So he joined our team. So we got lucky, but there's a lot of teams that don't get so lucky, and they end up with a dud. That means not the kid is stupid. He just doesn't have the skills needed for this. He's, let's say, a C++ programmer where you're building a project, a website or something, right? So he's not able to help you to the extent that you need that help. So it kind of it's kind of hurts you and your team when you're doing that. So in from that at that point, I was kind of like, awesome. We got lucky. We got really lucky, but a lot of teams don't get so lucky. So that's how the design projects find their team members. So with this smoke alarm, I wasn't able to find a team like that. So I was like, this is ridiculous. Why do I have to spend so much time finding people? There's so many brilliant ideas out there that have died and with people, right? Someone probably had the idea of let's say a chair that turns into a stool, that turns into a bench, that turns into a table, right? All in one shot. Let's say 300 years ago. But that poor sucker was not a carpenter. He wasn't even a dentist. He was a peasant, a farm worker, a farmhand. He, wa- he, did, not have, he did not know the people. He did not have the capital to make this happen. And he did not want to go into debt and put his family in a worse position than they probably already were to make something like this. Come along 2005 or 2007, let's just come up with a random date. Someone thought of this idea and made it happen, right? That idea could have been in place for so many more years and could have been developed and made better and built on top of. Now, this is a very bad example because it's such a simple idea, but you get what I mean. So I was, I'll be a little bit vulnerable here. I was on, I was on the couch with my laptop and I was kind of, I was crying. I was like, what the, what the hell, man? I've had so many ideas. They've died because I haven't known the right people. I haven't had the right connections. I haven't been able to go out there and hustle, hustle hard enough because back then I was not, I did not work as hard as I do now. I did not have the drive. I did not have the passion before you start. I wasn't happy. I was not happy because I hated what I was doing. I was working at a city job, which I still do now. I didn't hate that. That was awesome. That was a bit of an escape for me. It taught me so much. It's still teaching me a lot. But I hated just being a student because deep down inside from a very, very, very young age, I knew I wanted to create companies, create ideas, but I had no idea what the word entrepreneur was. Yeah, limited vocabulary. Simple guy, right? Very not – I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I grew up in a – my parents are from Iran, so I grew up in a very uh, Middle Eastern environment where it was like – you got to go to school, got to get your degree, got to get a job. Thankfully, it wasn't that you got to be a doctor. So my parents are love them. They're they're not they're not that rope. But I didn't exactly go straight too far from becoming and I became an engineer. But they would have been they were open to me going into business school. They were open to me doing whatever I needed to do, and they've supported me. So I love them. Quick shout out to them. But we'll have an episode on parents very soon. But back to the idea, I was crying on the couch and I was like, "This is ridiculous." 
And an idea ran through my head, like like a lightning bolt. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I was talking about ideas earlier, and I was like, they're subconscious neural thoughts. And it's like, all right, I went, got up, went to the bathroom, used the bathroom, washed my face, washed my hands, and the idea ran through my head again. And I was kind of looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, this is it. This is fucking it. This is what the world needs. You, it wasn't called You Start Back Then. It was called Stand By Me. On a network where students can connect to students to create projects. And I blew my own mind. And from that night onward, it was a night in October. I can actually tell you right now when it was exactly. Let me check the calendar. It was very late at night um, for you folks that like to sleep early. I don't know you. Any of you folks that like to sleep. I'm just kidding. You Start was born on October 19th. So October 19th is You Start's birthday. And the idea ran through my head, let's build a website that does this. So we scrapped Collective Comics as much as that hurt me, and I will try to bring it back later on down the line to be able to do the positive effects that it can do. But I was like, before I can do any of these projects, I need to create the framework that will allow myself to do this. So this project is a personal gift to, it's not a gift, it's, it's a thing, it's, a, it's an engine. It's not meant to be the final product. It's not meant to be what puts you over the top. It's meant to be the engine, kind of like how Amazon is now an engine. It, it was at first started off as a bookstore, but now became an engine. And I'm pretty sure Bezos at the time had the idea to not just sell only books there. He started with books, killed stuff, went on and expanded beyond that. Now it's become a conglomerate empire that's beautiful and sprouting and ever, ever so growing, right? So I... Everyone was asleep, so I wake up in the morning. I don't say anything to my mom because I was I was too excited. I was like, hey, I'm going to school. I, no, I didn't even see her that morning because I, it was a Professor Strauss's class. It was an early bird class, 8.30, no, 8 a.m. class, which means I need to leave the house at 6. Um, I think I left with my dad that day or he left earlier. I think he left earlier. And class went on as usual, and I asked Professor Strauss, hey, can I talk to you at the end of class? And yeah, sure. We started walking outside the class. Walking. This is the winter. It was so cold that day. And we, I told him the idea on the way to the in between buildings. And he goes, "This is perfect." And he loved it. And right there, we stood stood out there in the cold. We talked about it. We expanded it. We built onto it. We were there for like ten minutes, and he had to go to class. But I, waiting by the elevator, we were just so. Ha I was extremely happy, and I could tell Professor Charles was like, "Finally, this kid gets something." Because like with the smoke alarm idea, he wasn't very excited about. It wasn't his field, so it wasn't a big thing for him. But he was like, wow, this is awesome. From what I was able to interpret from it, from what I remember, he liked it a lot. And ever since then, he's been helping us a lot. So this, you, what you start is it's, and we did keep it under wraps for a while. It's, it's something that I believe the world needs. And a lot of people don't see that, which is unfortunate. Not, not a lot of people because we, don't, we haven't told a lot of people. That's a lie. I don't want to say a lot of people don't see that, but I'm saying... The, the one or two people we took to we spoke to in the e-lab didn't see that, right? But everyone else we've spoken to sees Every single student we talk to about it goes, wow, this is awesome. I wish I had this, right? I think we can build because so many of them, there's so many brilliant programmers here that I know. I've overheard another guy a couple days ago while we were doing something. He goes, I can't get a job at any of these huge companies, but I'm coding all this great stuff. He goes, and he said the kid's name, uh, X, is a great programmer, but he just can't land a job anywhere or he can't land an internship anywhere. But I think X can do great working on a project. He can work great with a team. He just needs to have the tools ready and available to him because in this day and age, not everyone's willing to hustle hard enough like I did to be able to build this team. And I got lucky building this team. So how it started off was the first person I talked to about this was Gary. After 
after Professor Strauss was Gary. And I was like, Gary, I have an idea. Well, no, I talked to him about the idea when it was the smoke alarm and Gary was in. And I told him, I was like, Gary, I want to, I'm switching the idea to this. I think this is great. And I was like, I'm going to bring Min onto it as well. And then we brought Min onto the idea as well. And we said, Min, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build this. We're going to get this out there. So it was me, Min. And then I had to convince the design project team to do it. So Dinesh was down. Dinesh was like, yeah, let's do this. He didn't mind. Uh, John was in a little bit. And Youngji was a little bit hesitant at first because he thought it would be bigger than Collective Comics. And boy, oh boy, he was right. He was right. It was a lot more work than Collective Comics. But he, he decided he was in as well because he saw the merits of it as well. And he's still with us to this day, which is – I love that. I love that. You guys know Young. Young G's uh, one of my favorite members here at Eastark. Don't tell him that. But it's just, I love that because it's, it, I was very scared at first to be able to see if my team is willing to switch because we had already produced two documents for this product, for the uh, Collective Comics. So thankfully, Professor Strauss was like, yeah, sure. Um, he gave us a lot of time to redo the documents. I was going ham, writing a project proposal. This was something I loved more than anything. So for me, it was like, it was like water, so it was just coming out onto the paper, and we were writing pages and pages on this, so that was really good. That's kind of how You Start was born. It's And it's grown way beyond what it is and what it was the day it came out. It has so many other aspects to it that you guys will come to learn, and, and you'll see how they will grow as we move on forward. And you guys will – I honest to God think this is going to be huge. And I'm not just saying that. I, I've coined it as a supernova as a supernova because it's going to it's not a disruptor it's a supernova a lot of people consider their startups a disruptor what is a disruptor in my opinion um snuggy was a disruptor for a minute for a minute and i don't consider disruptors big anymore because it's such an overused word and it's been played out in the market a lot snapchat's a disruptor snapchat disrupted twitter and vine and uh destroyed um what's twitter's uh periscope destroyed periscope now not not directly but indirectly it did um, Instagram is a huge disruptor. Instagram is a supernova. I think Instagram is stronger than Facebook. That's just my personal opinion. I think Instagram is way stronger than Facebook. Why? Because it's not because of your friends' pictures. It's not because of um, you can post stories and that. The key and the most powerful thing to Instagram is there's always content to be consumed. You click that little um, magnifying glass. If you love dogs, it's going to be all dogs. If you love cars, it's all going to be cars. If you love working out, it's all going to be workout stuff, right? You're always consumed. There's always media to be consumed. There's always content to be consumed. And I think that's why Instagram is powerful. That's why it has so many active users. And that's why it needs – I feel it's more powerful than Facebook. And yes, they're owned by the same company. I'm not an idiot. But I think Zucks diluted Facebook. I think Facebook was – messed with and I, i'm gonna talk to steven about that in the next episode that we do we'll, we'll do an episode about facebook and social media and i'll tell you we'll talk about where we are now with you start and where we, we want to go is so i want to give you guys a little bit of a short story of it of where we were at the end of the design project uh, we completed a beautiful alpha uh chief creative officer gary gary chi we have a gary too and Gary uh, created a beautiful interface for it. He helped a lot with the front end stuff. Him and Young G and John worked very hard. Steven helped us a lot as well. This also became Steven's design project as well because he's also a senior student here as well. And there was a lot of people that helped us along the way that made this great. We had um, James Kong helped us with the database. Him, he helped me set up the, uh, the server. Actually, Amit set it up for us. We just had to pretty much log in. And that was awesome. 
So shout out to you, Amit. Thank you so much. Amit is a tech person here at NYU who's been helping us um, through Professor Strauss. He's kind of like a TA for that. So we built this website. We used a, we used a two-tier process. Well, it's three tiers, but sure. It was the front end of the website, HTML, CSS, JavaScript. Um, no, there was no Ajax. It was that. And then we had the middle end. We Okay, from, on, from now on in the podcast, we call the application layer the middle end here just because we find it hilarious. Middle earth, middle end. That's just us. We're That's who we are. Uh, accept us or unsubscribe. I don't know. But, yeah. So we use PHP for that, which isn't a great language to use. We we were gonna we wanted to use uh, we used some C in there with the framework that we had to use. We used a PHP C framework to do some of the some of the stuff that we needed to do with it. And we used um, we didn't use MySQL. We used Postgres SQL. PostgreSQL. Um, it was good. It was good. It got the job done. It worked right. But. I saw a lot of other presentations and Adam's presentation as well as Mahindra's presentation and a guy named Nikolai. Um, I saw their presentation and I was like, they used a three-tier process called, um, which was the front-end stuff that we stated. They used Python Flask to Go. So they had Go as their engine, um, Go as their intermediary language between their Flask and their Elasticsearch being their backend. So I was like, we need to change this because our website isn't future-proof. All, like, these guys build something that they're probably not going to use and and they might they might use it but i'm saying they have the great option to be able to do this let me just reply to gary real quick um they might have the option to use this later on down the line but it's future proof so i wanted to make you start future proof and i wanted to make sure that it was ready to be expanded upon so i said we have to switch i was like we have to switch to this or a form of this process and we switched in the beginning of the summer to the front end stuff we reskinned everything gary uh, unfortunately left at the time but we uh kevin Fu was here with us uh kevin was helping us we call him k1 and then we hired uh k2 kevin zeng who helped us um do this and they were brilliant young g was helping them a lot as well neil was helping them a lot as well i think i'm forgetting a couple members Maybe, I don't know, but they, they worked really hard and they made the website really beautiful. Um, we, I drew up schematics we, uh, where we, we designed frameworks with, um, with the Kevins. And then Gary came back and I was, you, you guys don't know how happy I was that Gary came back. Cause Gary was the first person I talked about this. Gary's a dear friend of mine. I love Gary. And he came back and he revamped everything as well. And he's continuing to revamp everything and make it beautiful because he's a great UI UX designer. And I love that. It's really helped. At that point, um, we di- we did that and we switched. And it took us. It was a bit of a learning curve. That's also when Nil came on board, and he was do. He was, he just, we decided to not do three tiers. We went straight go to Elasticsearch, and we used a package called um, Elastic by this guy named Olivery, who's a dick. I don't know if he's really a dick, but he's not very helpful in the forums because we had a huge problem. He could have just, and we figured out what it was. It was concurrency was the problem of what why this was happening. But he didn't bother letting us know. He just, I guess, he expected us to know what it was, and, and none of us had taken databases at the time, so we weren't very familiar with this. Um, and at the at the DOT, I you might be like, this guy works at the DOT doing databases. How did he not know this? Um, uh, guess what, guys? I was. I was wrong. I grabbed the wrong drink. They gave me the wrong drink. It was Brian, some guy named Brian. Shout out to Brian. Ordered a grande pep mocha. 
peppermint mocha. I was like, why does this taste like peppermint? So I didn't taste the blonde. Ah, I gotta go get another one. I want one of those. Ah, uh, so, okay. So I got sidetracked. Um, yeah, so that's where we are right now is we were at that point where we have this layer set up. Unfortunately, for, I'm okay, this is, I want to talk about one more thing. We'll talk about this in another episode as well is I love when my team moves on. I love when my team leaves. And you know how hard it is for me to build a team. That's why this team is, um, this is the whole idea behind this project is how hard it is to build a team. But I love when my team has grown, outgrown. You start to go work for another company, work for another startup, work for another internship where they can do better and they can, it's, it makes sense and they can get paid. I love that. I respect that. And I, I'm 100% for it. I've had people that work with me talk about applications that they're applying to other jobs with. I want you to be comfortable. I want them to be comfortable talking to me about that stuff because it should be because it you should never you should never want to have a hold on an employee. You should always want to have them grow because you as a manager want to be the kind of person that helps. You're a shepherd and these guys are your flock. You have to raise your flock you have to make sure your flock is healthy. Your flock is learning. Your flock is growing. Your flock is making it to where they need to be to learn and grow. So that's me personally, and I'm very happy that – I'm not happy that Nil's leaving, but I'm happy that he's at Corona. But I'm going to miss Nil because Nil is amazing. He's a great asset to this team. But we're going to have to make some changes as we move forward to do this. And I'm very happy for Nil, and I congratulate him, and I really wish him the best. And I hope one day we can afford to bring him back. So that will be awesome. So I hope you guys got a general idea of where Ustart is and what the idea behind Ustart is. And this is a very concise, simple version of the idea. I haven't gone into too much detail because I don't feel this is a great platform by myself to do this. But I just wanted to create this episode. I was in the podcast mood. I was here early. I wanted to talk to you guys. I wanted to get this out there. And I wanted you guys to learn from it. I know it was a little bit shaky and choppy because we're still learning how to do a podcast. And um, I just want to be honest and raw with you guys because my point for this podcast isn't to be Joe Rogan. I'm not a podcaster. My point is to get the idea out there and create content and document this. I want to just document the journey because I want to enjoy the ride. I want to make sure... We get to where we need to be, enjoy this ride, this beautiful journey we're on, and get to where we need to go. So, guys, I want to thank you guys so much again for listening. I hope you have a great day or night because I have no idea when you're listening to this. As always, all the links will be in the description. We are now on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, I, we're going to be on Google Play very soon, and we're getting verified to get on Spotify. So you got a lot of platforms, and all these uh, podcast apps, since they're all connected to the iTunes engine, you can now uh, you can listen to them on that. Subscribe if you'd like. Just the reason I only the only reason I'm saying subscribe is because I mean we, it's not like YouTube where you make money off of this stuff. I don't care to be honest with you about making money or getting views or downloads or anything like that. I just wanna the only reason I say that is because if you subscribe, it downloads it for you automatically when when you're um when you're gonna be able to listen to it. Now you might not have time to listen to it now, but it's a, I feel like it's a chill listen. Um, if you're at work or something, you, you have a you can work and listen to this at the same time and hopefully maybe it'll inspire you maybe it'll trigger an idea for you get those neural paths going so yeah thank you so much and if you want to find me on any platform anywhere it's ryan masbiani feel free to add me on snapchat facebook instagram twitter uh not myspace <laughs> um and you start as you start today u-s-t-a-r-t-t-o-d-a-y you start today everywhere except instagram where it's you start dot today because some guy has you start today already Boo! I'm just kidding. So, guys, thank you again so much. The links will be in the description as always. I don't know when this episode will get released. The day I'm recording this is January 9, 2018, registration day for grad students. So, guys, wish me luck. I hope you have a great day or night. I have no idea when you're listening to this. I wish you guys all the best, success in life, and happiness, and a great 2018. Hope to hope you guys will hear from us soon. Bye bye.